I was riddled with fear for many years. I had nightmares for a long time and just horrible, debilitating fear. And I tell you the truth, the thing that happened for me was I got so tired. I couldn't carry the weight of this thing and I couldn't manage it. Hey everybody, this is Brooks Popwell. In the last few years, it seems like I've heard so many news stories about women who are dealing with the devastating effects of others' sexual sin. And today, I'm thinking in particular about all the wives who are hurting because of their husbands' unfaithfulness. Women who may not have anyone they can turn to to really find help. That's one of the things our podcast is designed for connecting hurting people with biblical answers and experienced voices that can truly help them. In the last episode, we took a deep look at the ways sexual sin impacts wives. So now we're picking up right where we left off as counselor Carol Bork and Pure Life co-founder Kathy Gallagher share with us the answers that have worked in their own lives and in the lives of those they've counseled. But first, Carla Book, who's part of Pure Life Ministries' senior leadership, shares her story of persevering through the trials in her own marriage and through all the questioning and doubts she had to face. This is Purity for Life. think about trying to give wives some answers who might be questioning God and what he's doing in their marriage. I think about your story and how you have had to trust the Lord through all of it. So why don't we start by your giving us a little background and tell us about how you met your husband. Well, I grew up in a Christian home, um, very godly parents who taught me about the Lord from the time I was very young. Um, I went to a Christian college after high school, and then I worked for two different missions organizations. And when I did meet my husband, it was at church, and um, we knew each other for about 15 years before we started dating. And um, we both wanted to serve the Lord. We both sat under the same preaching, teaching, went to Christian seminars together. So we knew we really had something in common that um, was just a life that wanted to serve the Lord. Yeah, so at this point, no indication of anything wrong going on. And you must have really had high hopes for the future because of how this relationship started. What were your ideas of how marriage would be as you guys started life together? Well, we really were hoping that we would both be serving the Lord full time. Um, Even in the process of planning our wedding, we had gotten introduced to a Christian organization who was looking for Christian counselors, and that was my husband's field of work. So we really expected that we could be more effective serving the Lord as a married couple than each one of us would be individually. And so I was looking forward to a marriage that would um, just 
would be very fulfilling for me because I had trusted the Lord to bring the right man into my life. I was looking forward to just that uh, companionship and just um, having a godly husband who would um, just be a good husband and um, potentially a good father um, to to any children we might have and just that we would really um, be living for the Lord in all that we did. Those are certainly the things I think any Christian woman would be looking for and hoping for in a marriage. But I know it wasn't very long after you guys were married that you began to notice things that weren't quite right. Can you tell me some about what were some of the first things you were seeing? Well, very early on, I sensed that he would go into long periods of withdrawal, it seems like, where he would be very quiet, very um, very hard to reach, hard to talk to. Um, he could never give me a reason why. I would ask what was wrong, but um, he could never – he would always tell me that nothing was wrong, of course. Um, we would be constantly um, – arguing um, about, you know, household duties or time uh, spent away from home, how much was, you know, correct. Um, He immersed himself in his work. Uh, He took on a position with his work um, where he had to be gone almost every weekend. So uh, he would uh, retreat into his work environment. I would go home and stay with my parents for the weekend. And it was like we were still living under the same roof, but almost in two different worlds completely. Um, But um, yet all the while we were maintaining this facade that we were the perfect Christian couple, perfectly happy. Um, and that everything was fine. but So I knew something was wrong, but I really couldn't quite put my finger on what it was. There was no outward sin that I was aware of that I could point to as being something, but you just, you just know somehow, I guess, from the Lord maybe, that something is wrong. Man, well, that has to be a point when you would have started to question God, I think, and ask hard questions about why is this going this way? I was expecting it to be better. Am I right? I mean, I would think that would be what was going through your mind. Well, of course, because um, I I had uh, waited a long time before I got married because I wanted the Lord to bring the right one into my life. And so now that he did, it, uh, I was really beginning to question, was this the right one? Was this God's plan? Um, have I made a big mistake here? But um, even in the midst of my questionings and my doubts, uh, the Lord was working things out behind the scenes. Um, One thing was that one day I was uh, at the office um, and a magazine came in the mail to my desk. And it came to my desk because it wasn't addressed to anyone in particular in the organization. And it was the Unchained magazine from Pure Life Ministries. And for the first time, I felt when I read through that magazine and heard the programs of Pure Life Ministries and the men that had been set free, for the first time I had hope that maybe there was um, something out there that could help our marriage. Now, you didn't know at the time that Ed was struggling with these things, but somehow this just struck a chord. Exactly, exactly. And he had, at that point, he had shared a 
bit of some of his history, um, but um, I certainly didn't know the full picture at that point. I ordered Kathy Gallagher's book, um, and I began to read her advice to women who had been through the same things I was going through. And it really helped me to see that we need to keep our focus on the Lord um, during these times, even when nothing seems to be happening. And I remember uh, one night I was just, I guess, to the end of my own self and my own resources, and I was on my face before the Lord, um, just crying out to him, uh, first of all, just asking him to intervene um, in the marriage, to praying for my husband, praying that he would have a heart to change, but also at the same time, it was just a time of surrender to the Lord where I had to lay down that marriage and the um, all the ideal expectations that I had of the marriage. And I remember saying to the Lord, if this is the way you want this marriage to be, then I accept it. And I am willing to um, to just continue to be committed to him, to my husband, and um, to uh, just allow you to be the one that I am looking to for all of my needs. And just to be clear, you weren't telling the Lord that you were okay with his sin, but I guess you knew that ultimately you would have to depend on the Lord to fix that, right? That's correct. At this point, I didn't know the full extent of his sin. I just knew things weren't the way I wanted them to be, and that was what I had to lay down before the Lord. Okay, well, what happened next in response to that prayer? Well, it was probably only a few months later when my husband uh, sat down with me one evening um, and he confessed everything that he had been involved in uh, over the last several years. And uh, I'll admit I was uh, devastated at first, but also relieved in a way to know that things were finally out in the open. And um, I remember him saying to me that night, he said, I am willing to do anything to deal with this problem. And the first response I think that I had was, would you be willing to go to Pure Life Ministries? Because that's where I really felt that um, he would have the answers because it was through the Lord that he was going to have to come to victory and not any man-made program or self-help program. Well, before we get to what happened through that program and after Ed went to Pure Life, I want to zero in on your experience in that time because I know you did the wives program as well while he was away and that God kept working on you and ministering to you in this time. What were some of the things you learned? Well, um, I learned, uh, first of all, I believe what it really meant to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Um, Like I said, I had grown up in the church, but... Um, I think my Christianity was more of a, a mental um, acknowledgement of of the Lord, knowing about him, reading about him. Um, but I came to learn that it has to be a personal relationship um, with him, and he has to be um, real inside. And that, that happened for me when I did the Wives program. I also had a lot of pride. I had a lot of uh, unrealistic 
expectations about what marriage should be. Um, fear of man was also a big issue for me. Uh, I was so self-conscious and um, worried about what others thought about me. And uh, through the um, WIVES program, I learned to be more concerned about the needs of others and how I could meet others' needs. And it was amazing when you're concentrating on the needs of others, your own self-consciousness just disappears. And um, so that was, was one another one of the big things the Lord did for me when I was going through the program. Well, how did this all turn out? Obviously, that's the big question that people would want to know. So can you share a little more of how life has been since Ed went through the residential program? Yes, the the Lord did a marvelous work in his life while he was here at Pure Life Ministries. He graduated in um, November of 2004 and came home for about 10 months. Um, We were just intending to look for jobs in the local area uh, to rebuild our life, so to speak, from a fresh start. Um, But in July of the following year, uh, we got a call from Pure Life Ministries wondering if we were willing to come back to uh, serve as interns here and and to serve in the ministry. And so uh, we felt that was an answer to prayer because we really didn't know what the Lord had for us. But when that call came, we knew that he was calling us back here, and the Lord has restored our marriage. Um, we no longer have those um, doubts or fears or periods of silence, or and nothing's hidden anymore. Um, and so the Lord has given us a love for each other that we've never had before, one that's based on true godly love and not just our own interests. And um, so we've been serving here at Pure Life Ministries since 2005, and we're very grateful for all the Lord has done for us. You mentioned that genuine love, and I can see that when I observe your lives. I also see such gratitude in you, and in one sense, I can see that that would be an obvious thing because the Lord has done an amazing work in your marriage. But I know the gratitude is deeper than that. So can you share a little more of what that gratitude really involves for you? Yes. It, it's not just that my marriage got fixed, but it's that the Lord has come into my life and my husband's life in a way that he is the center of everything. We're not just living for a happy, uh, comfortable life in this world, but we now see that um, that it's the Lord and the eternal matters that are much more important than anything we could ever hope for in this life. Well, can you finish now with any closing thoughts you'd have for someone who is in the place that you were some 15 years ago? Yes, I would definitely say that your best weapon is prayer, both for your husband and um, for yourself to have the ability to be able to endure through what might be very difficult circumstances at the time. But just know that the Lord is working behind the scenes, maybe in ways that you're not even aware of. And if you just keep looking to him, um, he will be the one that will meet your needs and will be your security. He will be your comfort and he will be the one that will be your stronghold during this time. Well, now that we've seen an example of what God can do for a wife who's hurting, let's take a look at some of the specific problem areas that wives often face during this time. 
Kathy Gallagher has decades of experience helping these women, and so she knows that there is a way to navigate through all the tough issues and come through on the other side. Kathy, as we are trying to give wives answers today to some of the basic problems that they're dealing with as they grapple with the fact that their husband is in sexual sin, I want to revisit three of the facets of pain that I know you've talked about before, and and I want to have you describe what the process of rebuilding in these areas was like for you. So first of all, trust. That has to be a big one. And how do you start to rebuild that after all this comes out? Well, trust cannot be rebuilt um, unless there's been repentance. That's that's the first place, and that is on the man's side. In fact, I would say that most of the trust building has to kind of be initiated by him. He's the one that has to rebuild trust. This isn't on the wife. Um, it's on him. He's the one that broke the trust. He's the one that violated the whole covenant of marriage. So it really is um, on him. There, And it begins with repentance. But I will say, as far as the wife is concerned, and this is true of me too, when I saw that repentance, when I saw Steve turning to the Lord and do there were just things there was nobody telling us this is how it goes it's not it doesn't go this way i just knew when i saw my husband um making an effort to spend time with the lord and there were just attitudes in him that changed he went from being angry to being more tender and just different things i started seeing that stuff i started realizing there was hope Well, another big area that I have to think would be a challenge is restoring intimacy in a marriage that has been rocked in this way. I've got to think couples in this situation would have to be asking themselves, can that really even be restored after sexual sin? Yeah, it absolutely can. It really, um, for the wife, it's it's much, much harder um, to even contemplate it, especially at the beginning. Um, But... Again, so one thing builds on another in a sense. When when your husband, when my husband was repentant, I wanted everything to work. And that that repentance in him affected me. And I knew that I could not demand for him to do everything without me also giving myself and being coming a part of the healing for him and becoming a part of this journey with him. I I didn't stand outside and say, well, you get to this particular spot, whatever that spot may have been in a woman's head. When you get there, then I'll think about it. That That will do more harm than good. Intimacy between Steve and I, was immediate because we both wanted to do the right thing. We both wanted the Lord and we both wanted this marriage to work. And I think that's the thing that is really key for a woman. I'm hearing you describe what sounds like a team effort, in other words, to me. And while we're on that subject, I know another area where the man is going to have to be involved has to do with respect. 
obviously a, a man wants that respect, but getting back to that place, what sort of things should a wife expect for her husband to be doing and supporting him in doing to rebuild that respect? And I mean, what's her part in the process, if anything? Well, it's a trust issue. And as he's doing his part, she should be coming along. You know, it's so natural for a woman to – some women have an easier time of it. Others are just – there's a switch. And when the switch goes off, that is a real hurdle for certain types of women. Yeah, what do you mean by that? Can you describe that a little more? The switch is there's something that happens inside the heart of a woman where she's been hurt, she's been devastated, she's been betrayed, and she turns off the love switch. She turns off the I want to be a part of this switch. She turns off something inside of her heart and her mind that says no more. Um, I wasn't one of those women. I had I had some endurance going on inside and I could go – I could I could handle this for a while, but I've counseled many women over the years who have that switch and it went off. Now, can the switch ever be turned back on? Absolutely. But the wife then has her own tremendous um, humbling to go through because you really do. I mean, that's the bottom line is you really have to humble yourself to receive that man back into your heart. Of course, all this hinges on, is he truly repentant? Is he truly walking this out? Is he really um, headed in the right direction? Not just lip service. And I want to say also, you will know if his repentance is real. Yeah, he can make mistakes. He may fail. That doesn't mean it's not truly repentant. Repentance is a change of heart and mind and direction. And you can make that that repentance and still have some failures. So just want to get that in there. But as far as a wife is concerned, in terms of building respect and um, giving support and all that, that is something that you have to, in your heart, submit to the Lord over. It's not just a matter of being a woman who's got a lot of strength of character or a lot of something. You need a lot of Jesus to do this because this has just wrecked havoc in every part of your world. So building respect with a husband who has ripped it out um, can definitely be done, but it's going to take humility on both parts, willingness on both parts, and prayer is huge in this whole process. Well, I want to shift gears now because we also, in the last episode, talked about a couple unhealthy reactions that a wife can have just as a part of trying to deal with all this and move forward. So first, let's talk about the tendency we mentioned before for a wife to try to change her husband herself. I mean, to me, that makes sense on one level. I'd probably want to do that too if I was in her shoes. And it's got to be a pretty natural reaction, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's very, very natural. It's the first – that's like the first thing you do – after you pick yourself up off the floor, of course, you want to get in there and um, control. Okay, so when a wife realizes this isn't the right approach, that she's not going to be the one to change him, and she wants to adjust to that fact, how does she begin to reverse 
this natural tendency, this pattern maybe, if she's been doing this and she's wanting to take a different course? Well, it's not going to be easy because it is just it just is built in. It's very, very natural to want to um, control, to manipulate. And I don't mean manipulate in a negative way. I just mean that you, you want to work this thing through and you're looking at it and you're thinking that this is the way it should go. And if you just do this and that's it'll everything will work out. But the bottom line is, is we cannot control our husbands. We shouldn't be trying to control our husbands. We should. Um, I, I had such a horrible time trying not to make Steve do the right thing. And if I would see something come up that I thought was questionable, I would talk about it with him. And, you know, you just have to find the balance. You really do have to learn how to be spirit-controlled and not fear-controlled. And that is so much of why we want to manage our husbands is because we're fearful. That fear is our sin. And I know people don't like to hear that because they feel like he did this to me and of course I'm going to have fear. Okay, that's all true. But it's still a fear issue, which means it's not a trust issue. You're not trusting the Lord it took me years, literally, to learn how to just let him go and quit trying to make things go the way I wanted them to go. And, and it's, it's a prayer thing. It's a submission to God thing. It's definitely a huge trust issue with the Lord. Just because I think we need to get it out there and actually ask the question directly, what is it that's wrong about going this direction and trying to the wife trying to get her husband to change and be the one that makes that happen. Why will that not work? Well, for one thing, you can't change another person. That's the main thing. It's not possible. Um, For all my desire and wish and wanting for my husband to change, I had absolutely no power to change another person. The only person I can change is me. The other thing is that person that you are trying to change has to want change, and they have to go after it for themselves. Anything that we do as wives that is kind of, if you will, forcing our husbands to do the right thing, that's not change. That's that's uh, that, that's not what we're looking for. That's not that's not what he needs. He doesn't need you or me to tell them how to do this. So would you say then there's a difference between encouragement mm-hmm. and this kind of thing? And what? so what's the difference? The difference between actually trying to change somebody is you're in control. You are – it's all fear-based. It's not necessarily that, you're, that you love this person so much – um, that you are going to, to all these pains to change him. That's It's definitely a fear-based thing. But there is another side to wanting to help, wanting to support, wanting to encourage, wanting to be on his team. That's a completely different attitude and atmosphere than the woman who's trying to make him do the right thing. You've kept mentioning fear, so just a little more on that huge issue, what's the antidote to fear? Trust. But who you trust and how you trust. 
is the answer. I was riddled with fear for many years. I had nightmares for a long time. And those nightmares, those dreams, which were all negative, so dark and so negative, were coming out of my own fear. And that fear shaped me. That fear caused me to think certain ways, certain pathways were, if you will, carved out in my brain of thinking because of the fear that I was in, that it would happen again, that there was someone, something hidden that I didn't know about that was going to somehow find its way to me. Just horrible, debilitating fear. Um, And I tell you the truth, the thing that happened for me was I got so tired of worrying I got so tired of being full of fear and I got tired of being in a place with the Savior that I knew I belonged to him, but I knew there was something between him and me because I I couldn't carry the weight of this thing and I couldn't manage it. And I think I just, I collapsed inside and I surrendered. Um, it wasn't so much a deliberate Lord, I surrender all as much as it was. I was so weary of bearing this thing that I finally realized I can't bear it, Lord. I can't do this. And I just put my trust in Jesus Christ. I really did. And I, in my heart, I said, Lord, this is up to you. I can't make Steve Gallagher do the right thing. I can't make him go the right direction. And I I can't even do the right thing without your Holy Spirit having your way, living your life out through my life. Come in and take over. And I had to keep doing that. It wasn't a one-time shot. It wasn't like I did this one big, huge surrender and all my, my fear was gone. It wasn't like that. It was more like daily surrendering, daily submitting, daily flinging myself at the Savior's feet, daily crying out for the freedom to trust the Lord no matter what the outcome was. I knew God would keep me, but I had to grow into that. And that is the journey I believe for most women. There are some who have this like one-time thing and it's done. I think for most of us, it is such a journey of learning to trust in the Lord. That's so encouraging to me. I mean, I'm not married and I'm not a woman, but like that, yeah. I mean, all of us, in other words, have a path that we have to go down, whether it looks like you or it goes a different way. I mean, that really is a blessing to hear you describe that. Well, I want to look now at another common tendency, and that is kind of the flip side, the appeasement approach, kind of peace at any costs kind of thing. If a wife just doesn't even want to deal with this whole problem of sexual sin, but it's obviously there, again, I can see how that would happen because it's going to be very scary to go through that process and see that this is threatening the marriage. Where do you start building the courage to take steps in the direction of dealing with this instead of just appeasing and trying to ignore it, I guess. Well, the short, easy answer is, and this is going to sound sort of callous, and I certainly don't mean to be callous. My heart goes out to any woman who has had to go through this. But the woman 
who sticks her head in the sand is selfish. Um, we all are. To be honest with you, a controlling wife, an angry wife, uh, an appeasing wife, it's all some form of self-preservation, self-centeredness. So the woman who just does not want to deal with it, we're going to act like that big white elephant in the living room isn't there. Basically what she's saying is, I am not going to pay attention to this because it's too overwhelming to me. I can't handle it. I don't want to handle it. I just want this to go away. I want things to be nice and smooth and normal. That, I guess, the big missing piece there and the thing I would encourage a wife who's in that mentality to start praying about is compassion. There's some level of compassionate love that's desperately missing for that person, even if he's been terrible. And sexual sin is terrible. But the response from the heart of a truly born-again, born-again from above, spirit-born believer is compassion for anybody who's bound up in any kind of sin. Um, So I would just say that if you are head in sand, you need to start really, really praying and asking God to deal a blow to that form of self-centeredness. Well, I don't just want to focus on the negative. So let's talk about some of the positive ways for a wife to relate to her husband. Again, if she has that determination that she wants to move forward and she's believing for this relationship, where do you point your counselees when they're trying to, again, rebuild a healthy relationship with their husbands? Well, I'll just use my own testimony. Um, I want, wanted Steve to make it. And I always saw myself as his helper. Um, and I had to learn how not to control and do all that stuff. But I I wanted I wanted to be in this with him. I really did. I wanted to go through this with him. Not, uh, not talking about the sexual sin per se, but I wanted to be joined with him as he walked through this battle royale. And I think the thing about marriage is the partnership of it, the union, the covenant. And I think that um, this whole thing of wanting to be completely in every area united is that's a very solid healthy way to look at this so many women out there have lost hope and that's why i'm so thankful whenever i get to talk to you because of your story and the kind of encouragement that you get from hearing someone who has gone through all this i mean there's just nothing like that so can you take a minute or two and just sum up what God has done and what you're grateful for as you think through yours and Pastor Steve's story? I'm very grateful that we were both willing um, to go this to go through this and to to fight for not just a marriage. Actually, it wasn't the marriage. The marriage was never the thing that was in view. It was always Jesus that we were aiming at. And I think that is the thing that I would want to 
like leave with women. It's he has to be the goal. It can't be a happy marriage. It has to be Jesus himself. And the happy marriage is a result of that walk with Christ. Not every marriage makes it because it really does take both of you. It does. I mean, you a woman can try as hard as she can to do everything perfect, but if her husband isn't willing, obviously there's not much to work with. I'm just thankful that the Lord kept leading us, kept helping us, kept dealing with us, kept working with us. We needed the encouragement of God every single day. We both did. Um, And the Lord was faithful to us. He's so faithful to us both. And I'm thankful for all the people that he's brought into our lives that we've been able to help. I'm thankful for Pure Life Ministries and what it means, what it actually means in this earth today to have a Pure Life Ministries. I'm thankful for marriage and what it stands for and what it means and that God does absolutely, absolutely restores marriages. Yesterday we celebrated our 39th wedding anniversary and it has been, and I can say this, with so much gratitude in my heart. Just how thankful I am to Jesus for what he has done. It has been such an amazing, amazing journey. And I love the Lord for it. And I definitely love my husband. When I talked to Kathy Gallagher in the last episode, she described the bitterness that hurting wives struggle with as, quote, the poison we drink hoping it will kill someone else. So now let's look closer at this common problem of bitterness and unforgiveness with biblical counselor Carol Bork. She speaks right to some of the potential questions a wife might have about forgiving her husband after his sexual sin. Carol, one of the things we talked about a lot in the last episode was how bitterness and unforgiveness can come so naturally to a wife whose husband has been involved in sexual sin. I mean, it just seems so normal to feel this way. I would imagine she could feel justified in it. So really briefly, can you recap for us from the last episode why bitterness and unforgiveness is actually very dangerous? This is a huge uh, issue, I think, for most women. And I know firsthand all about bitterness and unforgiveness. And the reason it's so dangerous is not only does it impede our relationship with the Lord, but bitterness is defiling by nature. And the writer of Hebrews said that bitterness defiles many. So it is a big deal. Okay, well, with that as a starting point, what is the first step a wife should take when she wants to turn this around and reverse this reality of bitterness and this unforgiveness? Well, there's only one way to do that, Brooks, and that is to cry out to the Lord and to turn from sin, which it is, and turn to God. And that is what repentance is. And it's absolutely wonderful. When I think about that process of starting to turn it around and move toward forgiveness, I can imagine several fears and questions a wife might have. One of them being, what if he does it again? 
I mean, I'm sure you've heard that one before. And what is your reaction to that question? Well, that's another biggie. Um, But my response to her is that forgiveness is not based on a guarantee, but it's based on a command in God's Word. The bottom line is there are no guarantees that your husband is not going to sin against you again. But if a wife withholds that forgiveness from her husband, then she is hindering her relationship with the Lord and and also the possible restoration with her husband. So for this woman, she again needs to cast herself on Jesus, looking to him, trusting him, relying on him, and I don't mean to say this tritely, but if it happens again, it happens again. Um, the Lord is very aware of it. The Lord knows what your husband's up to, and it doesn't give us a pass to say, I choose not to forgive him. For the woman who really is looking to Jesus to be her husband, um, and she's trusting him with her life, and she's looking to him again, to meet her needs and to satisfy those deep needs that she has and fulfill her, even if her husband isn't, it's much easier for that one to forgive and move on without being paralyzed in fear that it's going to happen again. Okay, well, thinking again of questions wives may have, for the wife who wants to do this but really feels like, yes, I know I should forgive him, but I just can't. What do you say to someone who's in that place? Well, first I would say to her, it's not that you can't. You know, it's that you are choosing not to, and you won't. Um, But I would also tell her that forgiveness is not based on our feelings. Uh, It's it's based on a a command, as I said before, but it's also a choice to forgive that person. But, you know, the Lord himself gave us a command in Matthew, and he said, if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive you. And who of us does not want the Father's forgiveness? Um, Those were very sobering words to me um, from the one who said, I can't forgive. Um, And the reality was, I didn't want to forgive, or, you know, I won't forgive. And one final question I thought about relates to the fact that We so often hear you've got to, quote-unquote, forgive and forget. But I'm wondering how much truth there really is to that statement, because, man, that's got to be really hard to forget something that is that devastating and painful. So again, if a wife is wanting to do this, wanting to go down the path of biblical forgiveness, but she's not sure about that, but she's not so sure about that forgetting part, Is that a realistic goal, or is it even possible? And what does that look like? Well, I think I have to say, first of all, that, you know, biblical forgiveness is hard. In fact, it's impossible apart from Jesus. Um, You know, it requires us fully releasing our offender. And in essence, it's like we're taking on or bearing that sin, of the other person as well as the consequence on ourselves. 
Um, you know, but when we think about Jesus and we understand that that's what he did for us, then we look at the one who Isaiah called the man of sorrow. And I guess, you know, there's no other way but to just keep looking at Jesus. That's all I know to tell you that I did. I just continued to look to him. Um, the forgetting part, well, I don't know that you ever really forget that or what happened, um, but I know that the sting of that situation isn't as painful when you are truly forgiving that person and as the Lord takes you deeper and deeper into a relationship with himself. I think what the wife needs to remember is that the Lord himself has allowed this painful situation to come into her life, you know, for many reasons. Um, some of them, I think, are to possibly shake us out of spiritual apathy, um, maybe to draw us closer to himself. I, I know that he uses it to purge us of our own sin, and he also uses it to transform us into the image of Jesus. And lastly, I think, I also think he uses it for others. None of it is wasted if we learn how to trust Jesus. To all the wives who may be listening, I really hope this episode ministered to you. And if it did, but maybe you didn't get a chance to hear the last episode, please do check that out. In it, our wives' counselors share a lot more details about the issues we discussed today. Also, before we go, if you'd like more information on our at-home counseling program for wives, go to purelifeministries.org and click on the Counseling tab. If you scroll to the bottom of the Wives Program page, you'll find powerful video testimonies from five different wives whose lives have been dramatically changed. Well, that's today's show. So glad you joined us, and we'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.